Stand by. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicularist. Today, my friends, is a, a, re- a return, is what it is, from a bit of a hiatus. A slight podcast, podcasts, <laughs> podcast rather hiatus. If you follow along, you will know that in this post-episode 300 world, every 10 episodes, I will take two weeks off. If you are following closely along enough to realize that, you will have realized that uh, I didn't 100% follow that formula this time. Not exactly, for the reason that... In between episode uh, 330 and 331, Fan Expo happened. Specifically, Fan Expo in Toronto, which I go to every year and post a very, very special episode. So because that actually fell on right when this episode should have been posted for the most part, uh, I decided to just throw an extra little break in between. Gives you a chance to get caught up. Gives me a chance to get caught up. For example, you should know that I'm actually recording this uh, on, this is very behind-the-scenes action, which I don't normally give, uh, August 19th. So uh, this will allow me to get a little bit ahead, so in case anything ever happens, I'll have a few in the can, as they say. That's You know what? That's what professionals say. And I'm very far from professional, but I know some of the lingo, that being one of the lingos. So... Uh, that's my explanation for everything. That is the uh, the crux of it, if you will. And I hope you will. Another thing I hope you will do is that uh, be aware that there's possibly spoilers in this episode. Hmm. That is your one and only spoiler warning, most likely. Uh, another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. Mm-hmm. No. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is good for podcasts, of which this is one. So please, think about doing it. Why don't you? Uh, I guess that's all the preamble we need, which is slightly more than usual. usual. Mm-hmm, yeah. But uh, I thought I'd throw it in just because, you know, to explain my absence. One thing about podcasting uh, everyone sort of says to do is to be consistent when with you, with which, with putting out podcasts on a timely manner. So that explains why there was uh, slightly more time between podcasts than normal. All right? All right. I hope you will forgive me, and maybe this will be a present for forgiveness. This. Ladies and gentlemen.
monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Giant Novelty Writing Pad Incorporated. Thank you for your sponsorship, you lovely, lovely sponsor. Uh, okay, so how many do I have? One, two, three, four. Oh, man. Uh, I have trouble fitting in uh, three movies, so I guess we'll have to be very cognizant of time and not waste any like I'm doing right now. Movie the first is called The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. I love that title. It doesn't exactly, for my bang, for my buck, fit with this... Like, that kind of gets my hopes up for a little craziness. A little madness, if you will. Of which I don't really think this movie is uh, exuding too much in the craziness. Uh, it's about, and I'm probably going to get this name wrong. I think I've even heard it said on more than one occasion. Hayao Miyazaki. Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, he is an animator extraordinary, you might even say, and head? Uh, uh, splitting duties of being the head of uh, Studio Ghibli, which have created uh, just incredible, incredible movies over the years. Uh, My Neighbor Totoro um, what's some more? I, if I was smart, I probably would have had a list here. Um, let's see if I can get a list as I'm right in front of a computer. Uh, Porco Rosso, I don't really know that one too well. Uh, anyways, uh, one of the preeminent, if not the preeminent, um, Uh, person who does Japanese animation in the world. Spirited it away. Okay, here, there you go. I brought up a better list. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle, uh, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind, Princess Monarchy. Those are some of my favorite ones. Um, just to name a few. Uh, this documentary follows them around in its sort of day-to-day -day life. Uh, what is involved with the making of one of these movies, which... Uh, it's just incredible the sort of scope that uh, and work that they have to put in, like years, plural, of work for one movie. Uh, and just hour, his, oh yeah, what was his hours? His day starts at 9 in the morning, which is pretty late when you think about it. But he goes until 11, he goes until 11 o'clock every night. So from 9 in the morning to 11 o'clock, he's just chugging away, chugging away, chugging away. Uh, and it was a, it was a, nice to see. I, I've heard good things of this movie, and uh, I can verify that those good things are in fact true. Rating wise, I'd probably go. Uh, this movie suited me perfectly for the time that I watched it, so I'm probably gonna go four plus, maybe even some five moments. I was uh, it was a lazy Sunday. Uh, I was a little hungover, and I was in bed. So if you are spending a lazy Sunday slightly hungover in bed and want to just sort of zone out to this movie, potentially you're going to go as high as 5 out of 5. If that is not the case, maybe a little lower, um, just because it's not... <laughs> it is not the madness that I was sort of expecting. Uh, yeah. So, there you go. Next movie is This Is 40. Uh, I've seen this before, and uh, felt it... Uh, deserved a rewatching, and boy, am I glad it did. Deserve that? What? Uh, watched it with the misses and some guests at the time. I believe it was my 
Oh yeah, it was my mom and uh, her uh, man friend. Oh boy. Uh, so uh, we all watch it together, and uh, it holds up very, very well. I don't know why I'm saying it holds up. It came out in 2012. That's probably when I did see it. But in the three years, it hasn't skipped a beat. Uh, many, many laughs. You know what? Maybe the difference between when I originally watched this and have watched it again is that I've been married this entire time. So do I look at it differently? Potentially. Potentially. Uh, I'm getting some laughs where I didn't before. Uh, that being said, their marriage and the marriage of my wife and I are fairly incredibly different. Yeah, not a lot of, in the way of similarities. Uh, we have a good marriage, and they have a, uh, let's just say, a bad marriage. Uh, Rating-wise, did I already say that? I don't know if I did, but I gotta speed up, because I see the clock's ticking down, and I'm almost done, and I... See, see, uh, five out of five. Yeah, this movie, I think it's one that... Ah, uh, fuck. It's one that uh, everyone should see. I, I definitely put it on my list of movies that everyone should see. One thing I would like, and this is sort of uh, Judd Apatow's famous for this sort of thing, is uh, it's a little long, and I think uh, like it's over two hours, I do believe, which, if I was in a theater... Uh, I would have trouble sitting there for two hours, sitting at home in a nice comfy chair. I could still do it, but uh, I still think uh, maybe some editing wouldn't have hurt. Uh, yeah, wouldn't have hurt. I think that's a good way of saying it. It's... Sure. Uh, next movie is Sinister. It is a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, actually, you know, it's funny. Uh, this also came out in 2012. This is my uh, the Mrs. and I's first viewing of it. Uh, she very much liked it. I just saw that they're making Sinister 2, like, yesterday. So, uh, I guess we're not the only ones who enjoyed it. Rating-wise, uh, I'd go, like, a three... three to four. Yeah. Uh, one thing I don't get, and this falls into one of the rare occasions where I'll give another spoiler warning, because I'm going to spoil the ending of this movie... Uh, I know, you know what, I don't even have to. Okay, so the the ending of this movie is a little bit of, su of a surprise. I called it about, I don't know, halfway through, as I do, which is I was sort of, uh, I feel smart for doing it, but then I also feel let down that I was able to do it. Anyways, uh, so the surprise ending, uh, we know at the end of this movie, means that having a second version of this movie doesn't make any sense, because we already know the surprise at the ending. So Sinister 2... Uh, unless you never saw Sinister 1, doesn't make sense to me at all. It's like if you... Uh, this is what I said to the missus. Uh, it's like if uh, The Sixth Sense, uh, the, the most famous movie to be spoiled, if they made uh, The Seventh Sense, and you knew over the course of the entire movie that Bruce Willis was, in fact, dead. It's kind of that idea. Uh, that being said, the first one's good. Uh, let me read the imbida just so you can get a little bit of an idea. Uh, a true crime writer finds a cache, a cache, yeah, sure, of eight uh, millimeter home movie films that suggest the murder he is currently researching is the work of a serial killer whose career dates back to the 1960s. Uh, stars Ethan Hawke, who was very good in it. Uh, the kids in it were good, and uh, I would recommend it if you're a horror. Like her, like myself. Last, but certainly not least, in fact, most, hmm, is uh, Dimitri Martin, colon, live, 
bracket at the time. Other bracket. Oh boy. <laughs> Let's do that without the punctuation. How about uh, Dimitri Martin live at the time? Uh, this is a stand up special available for your viewing pleasure on Netflix. Uh, Dimitri, Dimitri Martin is one of, if definitely in my top three uh, sort of favorite comedians. I kind of, and I've sort of learned this more and more over the years, lean slightly towards. Uh, joke tellers as opposed to storytellers. I appreciate both. Uh, I just think that uh, your joke tellers like uh, you know Mitch Hedberg and Stephen Wright and Dimitri Martin, um, they I don't know. I, I just laugh harder at those than I do other. And when I when I'm looking for comedy, this shouldn't come up uh, as too much of a surprise. But I'm looking for laughs, and because they make me laugh more, I tend to like them better. Um, and I think that's something you and I'm talking to you listening to this right now, have to sort of experiment with both types of joke telling to find out which you like more, because some people like that. People on stage telling stories, the stories have jokes within them, um, but quite often the, the, the story-to-joke ratio, or the joke, no, rather, the, the joke-to-minute ratio is less. Uh, the other thing I appreciate is... I know it's not easy, the, the storytelling joke stand-up comedian, um, but it's seemingly easier than these guys who go up and tell joke after joke after joke, do, you know, 90 minutes of one joke after another, just non-stop, it just boggles my mind. Uh, something that I, I, I don't... Uh, no, this I was going to say I'm working towards, but no, that's just, I, I don't think I'm really doing that. I don't know. Anyways, uh, something I use my Twitter for is that sort of idea of I'm compiling uh, jokes that I come up with. Uh, yeah, so uh, maybe that's the other reason that I kind of lean towards this sort of idea. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, and I hope you do, Jordan underscore Maywood, uh, every Sunday I will post a whole bunch of these style of short jokes. Well, obviously short, it's Twitter. Uh, so if you care to uh, listen, you could do so. Listen. And by listen, I mean go and follow me on Twitter and read them. Why don't you? Why don't you? This stand-up special, needless to say, it's five out of five. Lovely. Today's television talk sponsor is the Daily Newspaper. Uh, it seems that the good people are people are over at the Daily Show have realized that printed media is the future and have started a newspaper. So uh, they are t today's television talk sponsor. That's terrific. What else was terrific and yet very soul-crushingly sad and somber? was the final episode of The Daily Show, which, uh, from your perspective, happened quite a while back, I guess, since I've already given you that sort of peek behind the scenes as to when I'm recording this. Uh, even for me, it happened a little while ago. Uh, 
but uh, I still wanted to talk about it because it's sort of uh, it's, it's kind of a moment in history feel to it. It's like the, the the final episode of Mash feel to it, and that doesn't really happen nowadays. Kind of shows just end, and either you're watching them and you find out that they ended when they no longer come back, or you never knew about them. Uh, so this kind of thing doesn't seem to happen as much anymore as it did. Uh, similar to when I brought back, I believe I brought back, the final episode of uh, uh, David Letterman's talk show there. Um, the, the, honest, definitely that sort of vibe along those, si- <laughs> along those lines. Um, let me talk a little bit, I guess, about my sort of daily show experiences. Uh, I didn't watch it right from the beginning, uh, and towards the end, I wasn't watching it um, every day. Religiously, I should say. I wasn't watching it religiously. I would do more of the sort of clip thing than watch the whole show. Uh, it sort of came about that uh, when I cut the cord with regards to my cable television, some shows that <coughs> excuse me, some shows that I would watch every day sort of uh, fell by the wayside. Um, this, uh, I, this, I guess, was actually one of them, just because, um, I, I think when I stopped watching traditional cable television and moved over to watching things online, uh, I don't think the Daily Show or Comedy Central yet had a presence so much online where you could go and watch, like, now, I could go and watch the Daily Show, well, yeah, I guess it'll be back soon with a new host. Anyways, uh, I could go every day, like I do with uh, At Midnight, for example. Every day, I uh, go online and watch the previous night's episode of At Midnight, which uh, I can't, I could have done with The Daily Show, but didn't do, because that didn't always exist. I, I don't know, it's, it's a whole thing. All of this said is sort of my preamble for saying uh, I did love the show, uh, John Stewart talking of anything could uh, elicit in me many emotions, uh, of which was an interest in things that I found I would never have interest, which politics, for example. Uh, kind of on a similar vein of uh, uh, Kevin Spacey and House of Cards. Kevin, and I was just saying this to someone the other day, uh, and I think I might have said it on this podcast. I don't like politics. I have zero interest in it. Uh, Canadian, American, whatever, it's just absolutely zero interest whatsoever. Maybe as I get older, that'll change, but as it is right now, I'm very mature, and I don't care about that sort of thing. So, for me to watch House of Cards and have enjoyment in it due to Kevin Spacey uh, is an incredible thing. For me to watch... uh, Uh, The Daily Show and have interest in, although it's not 100%, a lot of political talk because of John Daly. John Daly. (laughs) I think I've called him that on more than one occasion. Uh, Because of John Stewart uh, is an incredible thing that he can elicit an interest in me in a subject I have no interest in because he is so interesting and that interest is uh, interesting. Uh You you follow what I'm saying here? Uh, So for that reason, I will miss him. Uh, when a big thing did happen in the news that sort of came onto my radar, I would always go to him to see sort of what's going on. The uh, The amount of people who sort of came on the show, who have came from that show and gone on to do amazing things was just incredible. It was just minute after minute. Excuse me. I should edit that sneeze out because I see on my screen here that it was very loud. Okay, make a mental note. 
And if I don't edit that out, apologies. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, person after person after person. Uh, I do believe the last, yeah, I think it was the last, was uh, Stephen Colbert. Um, I, I, I will admit, because I'm a, a red-blooded Canadian manly man, uh, I could freely admit and not be embarrassed by the fact that Stephen Colbert talking with uh, John Stewart at the end, giving them, uh, giving him his thanks, uh, I did perhaps shed a manly, manly tear. So uh, it was it was very heartfelt, and uh, something that I think all, even those who didn't watch the show, would would enjoy sort of the end of this era and witnessing it. So there you go. Today's book banter sponsor is Little Kids Destined for Magical Greatness Daycare. Thanks, you weirdo. Uh, okay, so we have a new book series alert. New book series alert. New book series alert. I've never said that sentence before on this podcast, but it felt right to say it here for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, okay, so uh, the book series is called uh, Tales of Alvin Maker. It is from Mr. Orson Scott Card. Is that the same... Wait a second. Is that the same person who did Orson Scott Card? Oh, it is too. Huh, if I'd have known that. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I kind of forgot about Orson Scott Card and his uh, uh, political leanings of the non-homosexual liking variety, and for that, I potentially, if I'd ever... For that reason, potentially, uh, you may not want to read those books, but I think there's always something to be said from the sort of point of view of separating the man from the mistakes, as that clearly is. Uh, for example, in the news lately, obviously, uh, Bill Cosby, can you... Maybe I'll put this out as a question, uh, just as much to cover myself. Can you separate the Cosby show, the television show, uh, from the horrendous man? <laughs> I think... You know what? I think I can. I, I think I am able to. I, I think I could watch an old episode of the Cosby show... With the same, ah, oh, jeez, you know what I was going to say, with the same level of enjoyment that I used to. But maybe I would, watching that, knowing what he had done. Uh, him eating a giant hoagie, where I would normally laugh, I would think, oh, jeez, this guy, what a fucker. <sighs> Anyways, the books are good so far, so, <laughs> and I'm reading them. So, you know, that's what's going to happen. So there. Uh, book the first is called Seventh Son. Uh, let me read a slight description here. Uh, in an alternate version of Frontier America, young Alvin is the seventh son of a seventh son. Uh, and such a birth is powerful magic. Yet even in the loving safety of his home, dark forces reach out to destroy him. 
Uh, I did read Ender's Game as well. I must have uh, spoken of it on this podcast. I gotta assume that is the case. Uh, when I read en- Ender's Game as well, I knew I, at the time at least, I had no idea of his uh, political, anti-homosexual uh, rantings. Uh, and now that I do, I wonder if that has affected my reading of his books, whereas it didn't before. Um, it's hard to say. It's it's almost one of those things where you have to uh, get outside yourself and look in, which uh, is one of those things that I think people who meditate try to do. Uh, I do not meditate, and so do not try to do that sort of thing. Uh, I'm on the third book right now, and uh, I have enjoyed it. One thing that I do like about this Alvin character, uh, in these books in particular, is that although he is in every book, it's almost like each book is sort of standalone, and he's having adventures with different people in each book. So the first uh, was sort of him and his family as he's growing up as a young kid. And then the second book, uh, which we'll talk about uh, in next book banter, next week, uh, he's with an Indian. And with in this new one that I just started, I think he's going to be with a sort of mystical girl of some sort. So uh, although they're all intertwined, they're happening in the same universe, you could... Uh, if you read the first one, I get the feeling that you could read other ones in the series and still know what's going on. Uh, rating-wise, uh, I'll, I'll go four to five for for this first one. It uh, pulled me in enough that uh, I continued on and, and now on the third book, so uh, I'll give it that much. You know what? Uh, just because this is a slightly different book banter where I've never really spoken of the author, let alone uh, Bill Cosby and raping. <laughs> Maybe we'll get your opinion. Could you read? And uh, I was just listening to a podcast where this came up, actually, uh, about Orson Scott Card and Ender's Game. Jeez, uh, who the hell was it? I think it might have been... Um, oh, shit, what is The Smartest Man... Uh, now i got to look this up. <laughs> smartest Man... And Because this is a good point, and he's the smartest man... Greg Proops, Greg Proops, of course. Uh, Greg Proops just talking about uh, how he apparently can separate uh, Ender's Game from uh, Orson Scott Card. At least I think it was him. Anyways, my question to you listening to this is, can you, are you, uh, does that mean you're enlightened if you're able to do it? Or does that mean you don't care? (laughs) Can you separate uh, the man from, the man's work from the man himself? Huh? That's, uh, you know what? I think I'm gonna do too, which, uh, very rarely have I done this. Can you separate the man's work from the man? That's gonna be the goddamn title of this episode, which, uh, does a few things. Throws a question into the title, which, uh, I think potentially, uh, means people will. Uh, will see it and then want to listen and answer. And then uh, potentially be in this particular question, uh, get some some ears on the podcast because it's a little uh, uh, risque, let's call it. How about that? I like it.
Today's game, Gabin's sponsor, is the Acme Dark Light, which is like a regular light, but instead of light, it projects darkness. Yes, finally. Okay, today I have two count, count, well, I was going to say count them two, but no need to count them. Just take my word for them that there is two video games. The first is called Dying Light, and the second is called Child of Light. I will be honest that in a rare, very rare a moment of foresight uh, I decided that having two video games with the name Light in them might have been a good idea uh, the truth is I was playing Dying Light and then stopped and then looked for another game to play and then saw a Child of Light waiting there as well uh, and it sort of clicked in my head and thought hey this will be good for the podcast which most of my decisions of what media con- to consume uh, do not have anything to do with what will be good at the podcast, to be honest with you. I do what is good for myself, so... Uh, okay, so let's start with Dying Light. I think of the two, this is the one that I had more fun with. Yeah, yeah, I think that's safe to say. Uh, let, let me mention as well that both of these games available on Steam, uh, and I got both of them during, I think, the summer sale. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so, uh, look for them on sale occasionally, and, uh, you get them for a good cost. Dying Light is, uh, it's one of those games where you can say it's this game plus this game equals Dying Light. And I think Limbo plus, um, what? Definitely Limbo in look, and to a certain degree, feel. Uh, by that I mean it's it's very dark. Uh, you, your character, is really nothing but a, a shadow, a dark silhouette that you're sort of seeing from fall off, from far off. So, for example, uh, if you're looking at your screen, your character will be uh, like if you hold your thumb up, your 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 character will be covered, like he's that small on the screen, which. Uh, uh, you know, I, I like it from a visual standpoint, um, maybe less so from a control standpoint, because when you're looking at that little little guy on that giant screen, it looks good, but uh, sometimes it's going to be hard to th- see things that are up close, and you never really are up close to the character, which uh, I think can take away some of the, the, the moments of, oh, I'm being attacked by a zombie, uh, fright that you might have uh, when you're attacked by a zombie in a game where it's up close, first person and you could see the zombie trying to bite your face off as opposed to your little thumb-sized guy being attacked by you know what, are they even called zombies in this? or called uh, shadows? Or I think they're called shadows they're basically zombies, whatever uh, yeah, so this game's Limbo, which is what I've talked about so far, mixed with a zombie game of some sort. You're 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 running through uh, maybe a little Mirror's Edge as well. Mirror's Edge, which comes into play, it's sort of that parkour, uh, and that's parkour platforming. That's where this sort of fell apart for me a little bit. Uh, let me explain. I think the older I get, the less I like platforming, and. I don't know if that has anything to do with my brain or perhaps to do with my reflexes. Maybe they're not what they were when I was playing Mario and doing friggin' speed runs through that when I was a kid, and now uh, I'm playing this game and finding myself dying uh, more than is fun. Dying more than it is fun, yeah. Uh, 
still, on that note, this game does some things very, very well on that note. And, and that is, even though I was dying a lot, it very rarely, but more towards the end, felt like it was an onerous thing. So I would die, uh, then I would be back up and running within seconds in virtually the same spot where I had died. So you didn't feel like, like in a lot of games, you die... Then you wait for a while, you wait for a while, you wait for a while, and then you find the game is loaded and you've got to repeat. Man, not doing good on the time today. Uh, you feel you got to repeat uh, a large section that you had already done just to get to this point where you've died and where you think maybe you're going to die again because it's the friggin' hard part. Uh, it started off being very good at not doing that, but then towards the end I reached a point where I died uh, and then had to repeat the same part over and over again where I just kept dying uh, and I didn't like it so I turned it off I, I might revisit it because there's there's potential if I could just get past that spot it'll be better uh, and moved on to Child of Light which uh, definitely a much younger audience compared uh, sometimes and I don't know if I've noticed it more and more lately yeah, I guess maybe it has. Maybe now that I've moved... I, I don't know why, but but maybe this has happened more and has happened to you. Uh, and that is, I'm playing this game that is sort of much more younger skewed, aimed at kids. And I get that feeling that if someone walked into the room and saw me playing this game, I might feel a little embarrassed. Like, it, it's skewed that young. Um, visually, visually. Uh, and that's sort of the main thing. Like, uh... The, the gameplay itself was by no means childish. There was a lot of depth there. It's uh, exploration on a 2D, sort of similar to Dying Light, 2D exploration. Not that there was exploration, really, in Dying Light. Anyways, you, uh, you're, you're a little girl on a 2D world, uh, moving around, and then you're encountering bad guys, and then it's going into a sort of Final Fantasy-style fight, uh, RPG-style fight. And, and those are by no means like a kid could just pick that up and know what he's doing. I don't think. I don't know. Maybe kids are more advanced than they are. Um, then I give them credit. As of the sort of RPG elements of this, uh, I'm glad they added them. If they weren't there at all and it was just sort of a button mashy thing, uh, I don't think I would have played this as long as I did. Uh, I will say I did stop playing this one as well just because uh, the story was told not 100%, but a very large part through text. And uh, I don't know, I just wasn't feeling it. Uh, and maybe because it was skewed at such a younger audience, I didn't sort of take the time that I should have. So uh, totally, totally unprofessional video game reviewer things that I'm admitting here. But I will say... As I have stressed many, many times over, I am not a professional by any means. I'm just an idiot who plays a video game from time to time, or every weekend, rather, and then talks about it on a stupid podcast. So, rating-wise, um, Child of Light and Deadlight um, both go like two and a half or so. Vague. So, so very vague.
Today's internet interviewer sponsor is RPG RPG, where you play as a sentient uh, RPG in an RPG, which is a rocket-propelled grenade in a role-playing game, of course. Duh. Okay, uh, just the two items, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. I believe I've already spoken of Titan's Grave, colon, the Ashes of Volcana. <laughs> that name, I don't know about. <laughs> I, I could go two ways on that name. Like, it's a very serious name, and also, it's a, a very dumb name. <laughs> the, I, I could think about that easily, easily, in two ways. Um, because I love this thing so much, uh, maybe we'll go the not make fun of Root. Huh? Uh, yes, what this is, if you didn't hear me last talk of it, or, if I didn't last talk of it, is uh, on Geek and Sundry, which is a YouTube channel, Mr. Will Wheaton uh, plays a Dungeons and Dragons-esque uh, role-playing game with a bunch of people. He's the, the Dungeon Master, or Game Master, if you prefer. And uh, they record it, and posted ten episodes of it online. And... All of that said, just sort of out loud using these words, potentially doesn't sound too interesting. Uh, I could see the potential that that is not generating interest in you. But, but, it was a little slice of nerdy heaven. I loved it so much. Uh, maybe part of my love had to do with the fact that uh, I would watch it every Saturday uh, like, I would literally wake up every Saturday morning, uh, I'd put my phone on, put it right next to my face, uh, lie on my side, put my phone on my pillow, and watch, you know, what was about an hour each of these episodes. The last one was a little longer. Uh, maybe that's why. I, I turned it into, like, a thing I did every Saturday morning. And it was, like, a thing that I liked doing, and a thing that I, I longed for, and a thing that sort of really, really got into my blood and uh, I very much cared for. There was laughs, there was cries, there was uh, amazing uh, violences, fights, I suppose you would call them. You could call them violences if you want. That's a weird thing to do. But do it. Just do it. Uh, part of the, the, the thing that I love, perhaps, is that uh, because this is just uh, people sitting around talking, playing a game, a lot of the action is created in your head. Uh, that being said... Uh, the art style, uh, the production of this was pretty incredible. So, say for example, uh, Will would say, uh, "You, you guys, you good guys." He, he'd probably say it better than this, just so you know. Uh, you good guys come across these four bad guys, and then you fight them. He would say it better than that. Uh, and then they would have pictures of, not still pictures, but uh, like artist renderings of this fight happening and uh, it was done really really well with a really cool art style uh, I think probably one of the, the, the tip of the hats I gotta give the most on the show is to Will Wheaton himself you could tell he uh, I kind of assume if he didn't have help I don't know do you think he had help well I'll maybe put that as a question do you think he had help um, putting together this amazing thing uh just reams of notes. You could see all the notes he had. He really put his... You get that feeling he put his heart and soul into this thing. And uh, I would recommend it to just to anyone, human beings, to give it a try 
and see if you like this. Uh, and then potentially it'll give you that bug to want to play role-playing games. I really do want to play role-playing games, like a, a Dungeons and Dragons style one. Hell, you know what? Yesterday I got an app on my uh, uh, tablet that let me create a Dungeons and Dragons character, and I just did that for a little while. Uh, the, the, the problem being, I don't know anyone who plays that, or anyone who will play it, or knows how to play it, so... If you're out there uh, listening to this and you have a resource for where I could find people to play Dungeons and Dragons with, please let me know. How about? Uh, yeah, so 5 out of 5, health 6 out of 5 for Titan's Grave. So good. Uh, okay, I'm going to run out of time for my next thing, which is Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Uh, John Oliver has done an amazing thing here for someone like myself who, as I have mentioned this once or twice, is not up is not up at night late enough to watch things that I would watch if I was up late at night, this being one of them. Uh, he came from actually, sort of uh, fits in with the whole Daily Show thing. He That's where he got his start. Well, maybe not a start, but that's where he got his f- fame. Sure, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. He has his own show now. Uh, it's on HBO, it looks like. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was on Comedy Central. Anyways, I, they put uh, clips on YouTube, and for that, I thank them. They don't put the entire episode, but uh, it looks like... Uh, I don't know if they are... Huh. Well, Like, I'm looking at the clip length. They're like 20 minutes, 17 minutes. There's a few shorter ones, but they're all... Uh, they're not all. Uh, a lot of them are of that length, a sort of 15 to 20 minute length, with the occasional three minute length one. So how is this show? Is this show an hour long? I don't actually know. It's on Sundays at 11 p.m. That's a, a weird time to have a show on, too. Uh, anyways, him talking about everything from... Let me just read a few that I've watched. Uh, uh, DC Statehood Stadiums. Oh, I recommend that one as a not sports lover. That was a really good one. Uh, Leap Seconds. Yeah, that was good. Transgender Rights. That was good. Uh, FIFA. Oh, yeah. He he did a few FIFA ones, I think. Anyways, I so highly, highly recommend you listen to him talk. Um, Again, similar to Will Wheaton, um, he's, well, he's definitely not writing these all 100% himself. But uh, you got to assume that he is doing the lion's share. At least I'm going to. I'd like to assume that John Oliver's doing the lion's share of the writing for his show. Can I assume that? Anyways, uh, the things that he has come, the things that he comes up with, combine so much in the way of information and comedy that it is mind blowing. Similar to The Daily Show, uh, where at least. I think The Daily Show differed was it would jump around a lot more. This is where, when he's spending, you know, 19 minutes talking about stadiums on on cable television, that's an amazing feat. That that never happens. Someone has the... It's almost got a podcast feel to it. Oh, yeah, that's a... I'm an idiot. That's why I like it so much. It definitely, definitely has a podcast feel to it. Uh, so I recommend any of those to watch for you. Folks... The final thing to say today, of course, will be what I always say, and that is, it is nice to be nice to the nice.
Rock. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.